Man, the, 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 tra- the uh, traffic may have, must have been running early today. You guys were pouring in here early this morning. It was good stuff. I don't know if the sun came up extra early or, or what was going on, but we were out in the lobby, and it's like a bus came through about 8.40 this morning. So uh, great to have you guys uh, with us. We are uh, in uh, week four of this series called Move. Uh, about every three years, two and a half years, we've walked through something uh, like this called Move, where we give out a journal that walks with us. Some of those are still out in the lobby this morning. If you want to grab one of those, there's an orange piece of paper out in the lobby as well. If you've been walking through that and you want to get a list of those scriptures, so you grab a journal, you, you look at those scriptures, you spend time with the Lord in preparation for our time of worship each week. So some of those are out there in the lobby, some of those orange pieces of paper out there in the lobby. Those also have already been posted online. If you're a Facebook user, Instagram user, those are already out there for this coming week. So if you just want to back up a little bit in your, in your time there and, and find those things are already out there for you so that we can be prepared and make some moves together. And so we have been working from two statements for the last month since the 10th of March. And these statements have been this: uh, these, I commit to move away from the lie that I. What are the things that I need to move away from? What are the lies that I've been believing? And then the other one has been this, I commit to move toward the truth, toward the truth that God's word promises what? What does God's word promise? And what can I claim towards that lie, towards that battle, through Jesus Christ? And uh, as a part of this, we began three weeks ago to, to, to unpack. In order for us to address the lies and, and to put the truth, we, we've got to admit some things, and we've done that. Uh, we've admitted and we've examined that we are in a battle. We can't minimalize the battle, and we cannot underestimate the enemy. Now, over the last few weeks, some of you have sent me some of the most amazing texts, some of the most amazing emails uh, of what God is doing and how he is moving you out of some lies and into some truths. And some of these have been things that you've been entangled by for years. And so if I can just be of encouragement to you this morning, if you've got that lie that you're hanging on to, that you're not quite ready to say, man, I want to move away from this, that you would just trust that God knows that you're in a battle, that God knows that there's an enemy. But last week we started looking at that we cannot, we cannot, in the middle of this battle, battle we cannot overlook the victory. Because our victory in Jesus Christ delivers us freedom. As we saw last week, freedom to follow his commands, which is kind of counter what we think of when we think of commands. We think of must, but they are opportunities for us to follow the commands of Scripture, to walk in the commands of his truth, and they deliver to us a new direction, new desires. And one of the passages that if you walk through the Move Journal with us, Early on, we looked at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. I think two weeks in a row we looked at this because it talks about that we are equipped for this battle. God has placed upon us and given to us his word, given to us our relationship with him to equip ourselves for this battle of these lies versus the truth. What we see versus what we don't see. Bondage and shackles versus victory and freedom. And so, yes, we gave one Sunday to look at the battle and the enemy, but we're given two Sundays to look at the victory because I want us to look more towards victory than look towards the past and the lies. We, almost every week, we've looked at this verse kind of to get us rolling because it walks through this battle that's taking place. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, 
We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, our battle with the enemy, are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Divine power to destroy strongholds. Not my power, not your power, but divine power through the gift of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit living in us, through what God says, hey, let me equip you in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. Let me guide you with other believers, divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, this morning, uh, one of the greatest lies that we're going to examine this morning, but look at it through the lens of the truth, is one of the most divisive, and to me, it is a playground for the enemy. It is unforgiveness in relationships. It is a spirit of bitterness and resentment. The lies that we cannot release certain things in our lives, that we cannot step out of those things, and it destroys relationships and it leaves us ineffective in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to be really careful this morning. Um, the word that I have on my notes along the side this morning on a couple pages just to be sensitive this morning. And so I want to be sensitive in knowing that as we walk through the topics of forgiveness and reconciliation, that these are difficult lies to uncover, but they are beautiful truths to step into this morning. So I want to do so with great care for you this morning. I don't know every situation in this room, but here's what I do know according to Scripture. Our victory, not overlooking the victory, our victory in Jesus Christ equips us with forgiveness and the gift of reconciliation. My relationship, my victory that I have through the death, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not so that any man can boast, my victory in Jesus Christ equips me, gives me forgiveness, and it also equips me and gives me the gift that we're going to see a little bit later this morning, the gift of reconciliation. Again, we, we periodically come to this topic of forgiveness and reconciliation in our congregation because unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness are without a doubt a couple of the areas where the enemy loves to plant lies, loves to dig his heels in, loves to steal, loves to kill, loves to destroy through those sins. Jesus speaks about unforgiveness, forgiveness, resentment. Jesus speaks about those things. Every one of the writers of the New Testament speaks about unforgiveness, forgiveness, resentment, bitterness, reconciliation. In some way, in some statement, every writer of the New Testament speaks about this lie, but also towards this truth. Truth. Why is that? Because people are people, right? I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. You may not like that idea, but it's true, all right? And because of that, we are sinners, and at times we are going to intentionally but there's also a lot of times, unintentionally, we are going to hurt, we are going to offend, we are going to damage a relationship, and we're going to need to mend it. And in many of those ways, it's not going to happen unless it's supernatural. Not by your own spirit. I know you all know this statement. It's a lie, but we've memorized it. 
Let me just start it and you guys finish it, all right? Sticks and stones may. What a lie. What an absolute lie that many of us learn as kids almost as a defense mechanism. Oh, sticks and stones, you can't hurt me. Absolutely, words hurt relationships. That's a truth. Actions hurt relationships. Betrayal impacts relationships. And everyone in this room has been, or you will be, if you haven't yet, you will be, we will be affected by this realization, whether you are 5 or 85. At times, unforgiveness is rooted in painful experience that has negatively impacted your life for many years. Other times, it's things that are misguided or misconstrued conversations, a misplaced email, we're getting a little warmer now, aren't we? A text message gone awry, an emoji that didn't convey the right message, a social media bomb you dropped, and it didn't go over the way you thought it was going to go over, whatever the case is. Whatever way the enemy has been using lies and brokenness, our victory, my victory in Jesus Christ equips me, equips us with forgiveness and the gift of reconciliation. Now, I, I, I just love getting the opportunity to talk with you guys about this because it's so powerful. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that many days we view unforgiveness and reconciliation as just about our relationships here and the person that we directly impact. Followers of Jesus, let me, let me just bring you on board with something. Reconciliation and forgiveness is not just about the person that you have offended or the person that's hurt you. It impacts your effectiveness with the message of Jesus Christ. It is a far greater moment of influence than simply this one little relationship. If you were to throw a rock in a relationship and a pebble goes in and it leaves ripple effect, it's not just one ripple. It's not just one moment in the center that it affects the relationship. It goes out and out and out and out. Once Jesus was asked by his disciples, how many times will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Sounds like a lot, right? That's an earthly picture. Earthly question. Jesus, how many times should I forgive him? And Jesus replied, depending on your translation, some say, some say seven times seven. Some say 77. Whatever the case is, you realize there's a big difference between seven and 77, right? Someone offends you seven times, you're, you're at, the, at the fifth or sixth, you're like, I don't know about this. What Jesus is doing is he is flipping the script of forgiveness and resentment and brokenness. And he's flipping it to say, hey, you're thinking about this from an earthly relationship. I'm going to look at this from a heavenly relationship. And there is much greater impact. If I can do anything today, it's for you to raise the, the flag this morning and say, forgiveness and reconciliation are a part of my gifts as a follower of Jesus. When Paul addressed this in multiple passages, he's addressing the church in the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is where we'll spend most of our time today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he begins to examine this. He says, now if anyone is caused pain, 
He has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. Now, I love if you unpack this and spend a little time in this, um, that, that my responsibility to guide and help us on Sunday mornings, Paul is adru- addressing a group of people about obviously a sinful something that took place from one part, one member of the body, and his offense impacted Paul. His offense also impacted everybody in the church. Now, he doesn't name what the sin is. He doesn't name what the person did to offend or cause pain. Keeping that generic, to me, he is modeling, he is outlining for this congregation in his teaching forgiveness and grace, and he's raising the standard here. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him, for this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. He's raising the standard of forgiveness. Now, Corinth was an ungodly city. It had all the immorality that we have in a major city or in a major epicenter in the United States. Only one thing was absent, the internet. All right? Big difference. They didn't have the internet. But Corinth was an evil, sinful city. And relationships and difficulties were entering into, brokenness was entering into the church. Relationships. And Paul is saying, hey, let's raise this this idea of forgiveness. I'm not going to lay this guy out there, but we need to start some forgiveness going back and forth. Verse 11 is amazing to me. He says this in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. So that, as he's talking about forgiveness, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. There is a battle. There is an enemy. And he loves to use unforgiveness. Let's be honest, Paul's saying. Let's not be outwitted, for we are not ignorant of his designs. If I can just be really blunt with you guys this morning, the enemy does not need our help in breaking relationships. He doesn't need our assistance. He's going to pound away. He's going to bring sinful behaviors. He's going to present temptations. He's going to introduce all those things. But by and large, we as followers of Jesus are helping out the enemy in many ways because we are not forgiving. We are not offering reconciliation. Now, before you start saying, well, pastor, I, what about you? Well, man, I'm telling you, this message has been digging in on me this week. Got a small post-it note. I'm not going to tell you where it is because some of you are going to walk somewhere and go try to find it, all right? See if your name's on the list, all right? I got a small list of people that God has brought to my heart this week that I need to seek reconciliation. It's not easy. But we cannot be ignorant that this is one of his major tools. Let me dig in and put unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment 
We know we're in a battle. We recognize there's an enemy. We have to remind ourselves that he loves to plant resentment, bitterness, brokenness between us. Therefore, it leaves us ineffective to share the victory of Jesus Christ. Make sure we're getting this. Again, the lie of forgiveness, the bitterness and resentment is not aimed only at your relationship to the other person. It is aimed at your effectiveness and your usefulness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If he can silence us and wrap us up in resentment and bitterness, we become ineffective for communicating the gospel of Jesus. Hey, let me go to your friend, and you, your friend, you're talking with them about Jesus, and you're also sharing with them at lunchtime how angry you are at your past in-law or at your difficulty or your relationship. I, I hate him. I can't stand him. I don't want to be around him. But would you love the grace of Jesus? A couple of you kind of got on board there. The rest of you either offended or asleep. I don't know, all right? Do you want to understand what I'm saying? We're, we're layering and we say, hey, let me, let me tell you about the grace and mercy of Jesus and the forgiveness that Jesus offered me, but let me also communicate that I'm not willing to allow that forgiveness to enter into my relationships. But would you like Jesus? It doesn't connect. That's why we've been given, as Paul states, in numerous places, the gift of the ministry of reconciliation our victory in christ equips us with forgiveness and the gift of reconciliation as we give our lives to christ there is victory over death but we are also equipped with grace and forgiveness to pour out jesus into this angry hatred filled world if we could agree on one thing we would agree that we see plenty of hatred and anger in this world do we not and he says i've Great, I've given you a ministry in this broken world. The reality is we only think that unforgiveness impacts the small group of people, but the reality is it influences our voice, our effectiveness. So later on in 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks even more about this. He says, for we, in, <clears throat> it goes on to say this, for we are the aroma of Christ, to God among those who are being saved. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. I don't know if you've ever considered yourself as an aroma of Jesus. A couple years ago, we went to the movies with our best friends and uh, every once in a while I like to play a practical joke. Some of you do too, right? And I've kind of grown out of it, but not totally, all right? And, and so I decided that night when the uh, movie was over, went in the restroom, and I used some quarters and I, out of the vending machine, which is totally weird to me, at the movie theater, and I bought some of that really stinky cologne. And as we were leaving the theater, I opened the pack of cologne. Now, you may love it, so I'm sorry. The, the cologne, not the stinky cologne, right? I bought the cologne, whatever it was, and I opened it, and as my best friend was in front of me, I poured it into my hand, and I just rubbed it all over his shirt. It was absolutely rancid. It was one of the worst smells, and I don't know. Again, maybe that's your, your smell that you love, all right? Uh, but here's the catch. That aroma that was just prevailing in the lobby of the movie theater Guess where that aroma had to go next? In my car. Because we did not ride separate. We rode together. And so we get in the car. 
And he's in the other front seat, the passenger seat. We're riding, and we had the windows down. And at one point, he's trying to turn the heat on, right, to punish me for this joke that I played. And this just smell that's just prevailing. I don't know when you've considered yourselves an aroma of Jesus. But we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Guys, this is such an important moment for us to examine in Scripture. To one, a sacrifice from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Now, this statement does not carry the same importance now as it did uh, in this time period because we don't celebrate victories the same way that they celebrate victories. When a battle would be won, the general of Rome, whatever he was coming into town for, whatever victory it had, he would come into Rome, into the city of Rome, and they would throw a ticker tape parade. But a couple differences. One of the major significance, one of the major signifiers of victory was an aroma that they would put throughout the city. All these incense would burn and it would be a sweet smell of victory to the general. And his soldiers would walk behind him and his officers would walk behind him and it was a sign of victory. And the smell would prevail. And they would go, oh, this is the aroma of victory. But you know who they also marched through the city? Those who lost the battle that were now slaves. They were at the end of the parade. And they knew that at the end of the parade, in this Roman citizenship, in this Roman world, they knew that at the end of the parade, they would be marched into some type of arena and most likely would face their death from a wild animal. See? He says, you're an aroma of Christ. To those who are marching through this broken world who have never given their lives to Jesus Christ. We should be an aroma. Not offensively, but beautifully. We should be an aroma that makes those who have not trusted in Christ that their eternity is death, separation from God and hell. We should be such an aroma that they should turn their heads and go, man, I don't know what he's, I don't know what he's putting off in life, but it's turning my head from death to death. And see, he says, to the other believers, you are an aroma of Christ, of life to life. And other believers around you should go, man, through the gift of forgiveness, through the gift of reconciliation, they have an aroma. They have something they are pouring out to other people. Unforgiveness stinks doesn't it? Now, I know. I, I was trying to wrestle through this in my notes and, and working through this. I know that forgiveness is not a noun, all right, that we can give smell to. Forgiveness there, in a, in a verb sense, we can't also give a smell to a verb, right? But unforgiveness stinks. And you know it, and I know it. Unforgiveness and Bitterness and resentment has an aroma and we can't tangibly smell it, but you can smell it. You know when you walk into a relationship and it's broken, you can feel it, you can sense it, 
there's an aroma. You also know the aroma of forgiveness, don't you? You know when there's been brokenness and God has called you to go to someone else and you've repented, they've repented, and you've stepped into, whether it's in your marriage or your earthly relationships before that, whatever the case is, and you've stepped into forgiveness, there's a sweetness, there's an aroma that prevails. And Paul says, you are called to be an aroma of Christ through God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. You hear that? This aroma of forgiveness and of reconciliation is above the basics of what we think about relationships. It is about salvation that we have an opportunity in victory to give out, to pour out onto other people. He goes on to say, who is sufficient for these things? Who's able to do this? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Who is able to do this? Only those who trusted in Christ. How does Paul say you're going to function in forgiveness? How is the church in early in part of chapter 2, how are they going to offer forgiveness to this, this gentleman or this woman on the outside that's, uh, that's had a sinful consequence? How are they going to? It's only through Jesus. Our victory equips us with forgiveness and the gift of reconciliation. Later on, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, victory. We, we settled it last week. If you weren't here, all of us in this room, we like to be victorious. All right? The old has passed away. Behold the new. The victory has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Reconciliation is and, and gives us the ministry of reconciliation. What does it mean to be reconciled? One of the most simple definitions I read this week of to be reconciled is to make things right with someone else. To make things right where there was wrong. To restore a friendship or a relationship to someone after a wrongdoing. And Paul says, forgiveness and reconciliation are how God has gifted us. Now please hear me. I am not in any way trying to give you from this platform guidance to every single how you offer reconciliation and how you walk into abusive and difficult moments and relationships in your past. We can have those conversations off this platform because those are tough. Those are difficult. But he is saying that you've been given reconciliation. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Righted, brought back a broken relationship into right standing, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. So this is God's example. This is what God gave us as a gift. He said, let me bring you, give you the opportunity through the death and the life of Jesus Christ, let me bring you into a relationship with Jesus, not counting your trespasses against them, entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Because you've forgiven, we have been given the gift of forgiveness. Because you have been reconciled with God, you have the opportunity to offer reconciliation to other people. 
This is profound. He says, you are an ambassador for Christ. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. There is more at stake than just the relationship. There's more at stake than just the small group. There's more at stake than just the person that you work with. There's more at stake than a small group of people. This is your ministry. We are ambassadors. He is making his appeal to a broken world in and through us, through the gift of reconciliation. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I don't know if you ever have run into an ambassador uh, in adoption, which we've incurred in our lives and gone through in our family. There's one moment where you have to go to the U.S. consulate in another country and you walk into this building that you've never been to and you have to go to the embassy, to the consulate, and you have to meet with and have a conversation with a U.S. ambassador. And I didn't know this, but did you know that a U.S. ambassador on foreign soil has every power of your president? They are the end of any U.S. policy on foreign soil. So if they decide, hey, I just don't like you and I don't want your adoption to go through, guess what? I, I just decided it's not going to happen. And there's no one else that you can go to. They are the representation of the power and the rules and the guidelines of the United States in that place, and they are the be-all and end-all, like it or not. And God says, through the Apostle Paul, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. You are commissioned as a child of God, no longer a slave to sin. You are given the gift of reconciliation and forgiveness of grace. And you are given that role in the lives of other people. You are given that opportunity in the lives of other people. You are an ambassador you are a representation of the movement of God. God is making his appeal through us. Our victory in Christ allows us to lead people to victory through reconciliation. Reconciliation is the act of causing two people or groups to become friendly again after an argument or a disagreement. How are we being defined as an ambassador, a representative of Jesus Christ? What is the def defining difference in us? Forgiveness and reconciliation. How do we model for our world grace through Jesus Christ? Forgiveness and reconciliation. How can we alter and reshape broken relationships? Forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness can change your future. Forgiveness can change your future. It can't rewind, but it certainly can press play and move forward. We can step into victory through Jesus Christ. And so as we talk through this and as we think through this, this is a huge idea, is it not? There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of thoughts that may be going in your mind this morning. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you know of a relationship that you have, not that I have, all right, that you have 
that could be greatly enhanced or healed if you focused on yourself and what changes God's word is convicting you to make in your own life before you seek reconciliation in that relationship. Because you see, the sinful part of us, we want to we wanna say, well, if they would just do this, and if they would ask this, and if they would seek this, then I... Is there a change that needs to happen in my life that would prepare me for the ministry of reconciliation that God's word is convicting us to make? Have you considered that how you offer forgiveness to others can model the forgiveness Christ has offered you? Have you you ever thought about that? Have you considered that how we offer forgiveness to other people models the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our lives? There is a lot at stake in this victory. And please don't disengage from where we are. This is a part of victorious living. You have the freedom to offer forgiveness, the freedom to offer reconciliation, the freedom to draw people to Jesus Christ as you are his ambassador. But it's going to require us to begin praying. It's going to require us to in times after worship, in times in our cars, in times in our homes, in times in God's word, to say, God, I, I know I need to seek reconciliation. Now listen, I'm not telling you to run out this door and run straight for the person that's offended you 30 years ago and just walk into their house and say, hey, uh, I'm, 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 let's reconcile, let's move on. That's, that's a different aroma, all right? We may need to begin to pray, God. I don't even know who the people are that I've offended. I don't even know who the people are that I need to seek reconciliation. Would you bring them to my heart? Or God, I know who they are. I know the wrongdoing that's happened in my life. I know the pain that they've caused. God, would you show me the correct way for me to step out of bitterness and resentment and free myself? Whether or not they ever step into it, I don't know. But how do you want me to change? To find your reconciliation and forgiveness. Church, this is massive. I, no matter how I say it, I'm going to understate how important forgiveness and reconciliation are in your victory. Through the victory in Jesus Christ, you and I are equipped with forgiveness and gifted the gift of reconciliation. It can change the world. It can change your relationships. It can change the future. And it can change someone's eternity.